We are in week number two of who are we now. We left off last week. We talked about a lot of core values and uh, who God has called us to be as a church uh, and, and moving forward. And one of those was really specific to uh, this idea that we're going to go forward with live preaching and that we're not going back to Pastor Craig Rochelle as our uh, teaching pastor on the screen. And uh, we talked about a core value that I want to really dive into today. Uh, and that is that we give up things we love for things we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. We, that's, that's, a, that's core to who we are. And it's probably not one that you hear a lot. Like if you've been here for a few years, it's not one that's like really like the first thing you need to hear is that you got to give some stuff up, right? When we first walk through these doors, hey, you ready to sacrifice? Welcome to the brick. Come, come give a bunch of stuff up. Like invite people. Facebook, you want to be here in person because you got to give stuff up. Uh, and so we don't really dive too much into it, but it's still core to who we are. So today I want to spend some time really diving into what this means, the implications for the church, the implications for your life of what it means uh, to give up things you love for things we love even more. And the emphasis today is more. The, the emphasis today is more. If, if you have some things you love, it doesn't make sense to give those up for other things you love. It's just like a one-to-one trade. Like, oh, cool, I don't, uh, I wanted a Snickers, now I'm gonna have a Twix. Like, cool, is this like a trade for a trade? Uh, but if there's something you love more, like you love mahogany's and you're ready to go get some dinner at Ruth Chris or Colton's or wherever's fancy for you, you're ready to go get some grub on, uh, you'll trade that Snickers because you have something you love more. There's something more. And so today I want to dive into more. What is more for you? What does it mean to have more and uh, to have more, to talk through more, to talk about sacrifice? I want to share with you the guy who I think, maybe not the most, but sacrificed a ton in scripture. Like sacrificed a lot and and knew he was going to do it and that's Paul. Paul is attributed to writing two-thirds of the New Testament and Paul was like the dude. Like he was the new, I mean like in his religion he was the top dog. He knew his stuff. Uh, He was an overseer of persecuting other Christians and which meant like he was the guy. Like he didn't even have to lay his hands on people. He just kind of you know, like God fathered it. Like, I want this guy dead. I want him gone. He's gone, right? Uh, and they, they, they symbolically laid their coats at his feet as they murdered a Christian named Stephen, letting you know that, like, Paul was ordering this, but he's, like, washed his hands of it. And it ain't on him, but you know he wanted you to do it. Uh, and then he's radically converted on this road to Damascus, and he starts following Jesus. And you would think, like, you were up here, you were like at this status right here whenever you weren't following Jesus, so Jesus is going to take you to a whole nother level. You know what I'm saying? Just like boom, glory to glory. You're about, but for Paul, Paul suffered. <laughs> Paul suffered. And what I mean by his struggles and his sacrifices, he suffered, and Scripture tells us that he knew he was going to suffer. Like it wasn't just like, oh, this happened, this thing's happened to me. It was a conscious choice to go through what he went through because Acts chapter 9 tells us that uh, Paul would know the ways he's going to suffer for the kingdom of God. 
And so Paul knew that he was going to suffer, chose to suffer anyways. In case you're wondering, I will share with you some of the ways he suffered. Uh, you can find all this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He's like really frustrated with Corinthians as, he writing them a as he's writing them a letter. And as in his frustration, he's like, listen, if you don't think that I'm about the gospel and that I'm the apostle to the Gentiles, let me tell you what I've been through. And so he just goes through and lists. Uh, one of the things he starts out with is on five separate occasions, he was given 39 lashes. Those are strange numbers, I know, but five different times, 39 lashes. When scripture says 39 lashes, sometimes it even says 40 minus one. And it's this reference to the fact that uh, the lashes they were giving him, if they would have got to 40, their law only allowed them to punish somebody with 40 lashes if they were gonna give them the death penalty. That was the death penalty, is if you were gonna get 40 lashes. So when they say 40 minus one, it was like, the Jewish leaders were like, we're not allowed to kill him technically, but we're gonna get as close as we possibly can to murdering this dude. 39 times they beat him, five separate occasions, right? You get me once, you get me twice, you ain't gonna get me a third time, all right? You ain't gonna beat me a third time. He took it five times and chose to do it. Like knew the ways he was gonna suffer chose to do it. Uh, then it says three different occasions he was beaten with rods. I don't know what that looks like. Doesn't sound like fun. Pelted with stones. We're not talking about like playground pebbles. Like the kid, they're like, get out of here, Paul. You're, you're, we don't like you. No, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking massive rocks in order to kill him. They weren't meant to just scare him off and get him away. It was meant to kill him because they would literally stone people to death uh, in that day. Three different occasions he was shipwrecked. Three. Three times. Why you get on a boat the third time, if you know, unless you know. I get it, like once is an anomaly, like it's shipwrecked, this stuff happens, they don't build boats as good as they do now. It's two times, man, all right, okay, let's give it another shot, it didn't work out. Three times, no, that's on you, Paul. You knew what you were doing. Uh, and it even says that on one of those shipwrecks, he was left at sea for a night and a day. That to me feels like, Kind of terrifying. You, know, you don't know if sharks are surrounding you. You're just stuck out in the water talking to God, wondering if this is it. Like, am I going to drown? Do I, how does this work? Do I eventually just have a cramp and I go easy? What happens? Do I pass out? I don't know how I'm going to go, but I'm just going to go. Stuck out there alone with your thoughts, talking to God in the quiet, still night. Uh, it says that he uh, had to move constantly because of danger. He was constantly hungry or thirsty in different endeavors. He knew what it was like to be cold and to be naked. And lastly, if it wasn't enough, the guy who's like the guy uh, had, to, had this thing that he called in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's still talking in the next chapter about what he's going through. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about this thorn in his flesh. And scripture doesn't clarify what it is and every theologian, every pastor has a theory on what it was. It's, it's something spiritual, something mental, something physical. It says there was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, like to struggle with him. Whatever it was, it was, it was so difficult for the guy who had been through three ship, shipwrecks, beat to death, stoned to death, all of these things that had happened to him. It was difficult enough for him to kneel before God and say, God, please take this from me. Right? Like not the shipwrecks, not the beatings, Whatever this thorn is, was painful enough for, for Paul that was willing to go through all that to finally have enough and say, God, please, please get this off of me. Like just, just whatever this is, just stop it. And God's answer to him is my grace is sufficient for you. Thanks, God. I really, that's, that's what I was looking for. I just, okay, cool. Thanks a lot. After all I've been through, all I've suffered, my grace is sufficient for you. That would be my response. But Paul's response in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, 
is that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. At this point, I'm just, at this point, I'm just kind of mad at Paul for writing this. Like, he's like setting the bar so high for what it looks like because I don't know that I'm ever going to attain a level of Christianity where I'm going to write that without just straight lying to you. No, I love the difficult times. It was great. I loved it when people talked bad about me. I loved it when people were mad at the church. I loved it whenever they didn't. I, I liked it whenever things didn't work and the church online website went down. Stuff happened. Everything was broken. People were mad at me. Loved it. It was delightful. If you see me writing that, you know I'm lying. I've sinned twice, all right? Uh, I'm not there, and I'm lying about it. But Paul is, I'm assuming Paul's not lying. Uh, And then Paul continues that. Like Paul, the estimates are that he had another 11 years before he passed away. About six years in, after writing this, he's in a prison. So he's had plenty more opportunities for the shipwrecks, for the beatings, for everything. And he doubles down. It's not just like in the moment, like I look back and I think of how great it was. It's fine now. It taught me so many things. No, no, no. It wasn't just that moment. He continues to say it while he's in prison in Philippians chapter four, verse 12. It says this, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What What does Paul have? What does Paul have that I need more of? What does Paul have to where I can get to a place that I'm good? You know what I'm saying? Like wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, I'm good. I'm hungry, good. I got a lot, good. I'm shipwrecked, whatever, I delight in it. I'm happy. What does he have that I need to understand more of? What do we need to understand of that we need more of? Because that's the more we're striving for, right? That's the, we give up things we love for things we love even more. This is the more. To a place where the struggles, the difficulties, whatever life brings our way, they don't slow us down. They don't stop us. And, and that more is to, to have passion, like, I, I want to challenge you today. Like, if, if Paul, in the midst of his difficulties and struggles, can maintain a passion, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue that today, even in the midst of 2020, in the chaos of politics, in the chaos of our country, the chaos of the world, global pandemic, all the things that are taking place, the difficulties you even went through in 2020, however difficult they were, they were, Some of you lost loved ones. Some of you had turmoil, anxiety, struggles. No matter how difficult it was, I want to get us to a place where there's more. And that more is the type of more that is passion. That like, it doesn't slow us down. If I'm in prison, I'm still doing my thing. If I'm I'm shipwrecked, I'm still doing the thing. That thing is passion. And and it's actually kind of terrible advice for when people say, just follow your passion, right? Almost any, any leader at this point is now saying like, please don't tell, don't go to a college graduation or high school graduation, do the speech and tell them to follow their passion. Everybody is suggesting that's, that's kind of like a fool's gold. You just, you just, what you do is you just go for a season of things that you like and then it gets hard and difficult and frustrating and then you quit and you go do something else. Right? So you're just like, well, I don't enjoy this. I don't like waking up at eight in the morning and going to work. I don't, I want to sleep in and I want to go in at noon and do whatever I want and get paid a lot for it. 
that's typically what it looks like to say we're following our passion. Like, I just want to, I don't know who that voice was, but that's what I want to do with my life is I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want to do it and feel good about it at all times. Uh, and so we just hop from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, never being fulfilled in what we're called to do. And I want to I redefine passion. I still want you to follow your passion. I just want to redefine what passion look like, looks like. And passion looks like, if you're taking notes, uh, your passion should be defined by the thing you're most willing to sacrifice for. What you're passionate about should be the thing that you define it by the thing you're most willing to sacrifice for. What am I passionate about? It's the thing I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see done. What, I mean, I'll go wherever, however, whenever, that's gonna start getting you to a place of passion. See, some of you have, are still in this mindset of passion, it's like energy and excitement, but sometimes you're gonna show up to the thing you're passionate about, and you're not gonna be excited about the work you have to do for it, but it's big enough to do it for. It's big enough to fight through the pain, the struggle, the shipwrecks, the beatings, whatever it is for you to get through to the other side of that passion, that thing that you're called to do, right? Like if we were talking about passion on our team, uh, many times people might think that our, the most passionate person here is our youth pastor, Taylor. And if you've ever been around him, he's always at a 10. Like there's not, uh, if he's ever just like at like a six, you're like, you good? You sick? What's wrong? You need to go home and take a nap? What's going on? Like if he's not at a 10 or setting new bars of loudness and excitement at 11 or 12, something's wrong with him. Uh, and, and for most people, the world sees that as passion. And I would suggest that he's passionate not because of his energy level. I would suggest that he's passionate not because of how loud he is. He's passionate because I've seen him sacrifice over and over again for the call of God on his life to do the thing God has called him to do. If he's working full time, he's still spending his extra hours up here seeing teens grow in, in their relationship with Christ and get into the right small group leader because he was passionate about what God has called him to do. And it wasn't about how he felt in the moment in doing it. It was about the call was big enough to fight through whatever emotion, struggle, or difficulty he had in the midst of it. And so for every single one of my team leads, every person here that's on the team is like passionate about the church. I don't dictate your passion based on how excited you are when you walk through those doors. I dictate your passion based on when you say, when it gets difficult, where do you go? What do you do when it's difficult? When it's hard to follow the call of God on your life, what do you do? Where do you go? What happens? Because that to me tells me where your passion's at. And so what I'm getting at, what I'm driving at today uh, is that you figure out what you're called to be passionate about. And the thing that matters most, and we kind of hit on it last week, the thing that matters most if you're taking notes, the essential, the most essential thing in your life is who you're called to be and what you're called to do because of that. The most, like you don't have a single thing that's more important, more necessary, than understanding who you're called to be. Like whatever sacrifice, whatever work you have to get to, to get to the place where you understand that God has called you and you got something to do because of that call, it's worth it to get there. Whatever you gotta do, it's worth it. It takes this, it takes trust. It, it, it takes trust to get to a place where you believe that God has actually called you. And this, this trust goes all the way back, uh, all the way back to the garden, where in, in the garden, Eve had to question whether or not she could trust God and what God had said. Eve had to question 
can't she trust God and what God is saying in the midst of this and in this moment? And she had to decide in that moment, do I trust God? And she decided not to trust. And we're still wrestling with that same question. Do I trust despite how I feel what you said about me? Do I trust despite how I feel or what it looks like what you're calling me to do? Can you trust God more than your emotions, more than the people around you, more than your birthright, more than your economic status? Do you trust God? Because you, you, won't, you won't even believe that you're called until you get to a place where you trust him over yourself. Because you have to determine like, no, I might have messed up in my past, but God said something else about me that overrides what I did. I might not have been born to the right family, but what God said about me it overrides that blood because he gave me a new blood. Like I, I, don't, I don't get to decide who I am. I don't get to determine who I'm called to be. I have to go to the creator and the maker of, of me to decide who I'm called to be. He gets to tell me who I am. And you got to do that. You, again, it takes a little bit of work, takes some time, but it's worth it. Whatever you got to give up, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to wade through to get to it, get to the place where you understand who you're called to be so that you can understand what you're called to do. Get in the word of God and understand what he says about you. Get into worship, get into moments of prayer, get into those places that get you to that and make whatever sacrifice it takes to find your passion because your passion is found in your identity and your identity is only found through God. And so today I want to challenge you to get your passion back, to get more back, to get more back. We've been settling for things that we love. We've been settling, maybe 2020 pushed us to this place where we're just settling for just making it. Hey, let's just get through this year. Let's get over this pandemic. And that is not the God I serve. My God is not a God of settle, of, of just enough, just get you through. My God is always setting something up for your glory, for your victory, for your life. And so maybe in the midst of 2020, all of that, even if he, he's not causing the struggles and the pains and the sacrifices, in the midst of all of that, maybe he still showed you some things. Maybe he still showed you some things about what matters most and the reality that like, oh, I was dependent on money. I was dependent on government. I was dependent on these people and I need to depend on other, other relationships in my life. I, I have really unhealthy aspects in my life that 2020 brought out. See, the thing is, he's not gonna cause those things, but he will use those things. Don't let those things go to waste because God is trying to teach you in the midst of them. See, because the struggle, the sacrifice, the difficulty, the, the thing that you love and, and that you have to give up, the, the goal for, for God in your life is to not to teach you how to suffer. And did not to force you to sacrifice. That's not his goal. That's not his plan. Uh, we don't need to, like, sacrificing and struggling would be training us for hell. Because that's what hell is about. Struggling and suffering. Because God is trying to train us for heaven. He's trying to develop us in us more, not less. He's trying to develop in you a heart to realize that I need to let go of some parts of earth some parts of this, the pleasures of this life to attain the more that is heaven and the call and the passion that he's placed on my life. I, I need to let go of some things that block my, my mental process, some things that distract me from the things of God so I can hear the voice of God because I want more. I, I, I don't want to settle for just getting off work and just surviving the day and just getting through and just getting home so I can have some quiet time to play on my phone and scroll through social media and just go to bed and do it all over again. I want more. 
I'm hungry for more. I want the call of God on my life that makes it worth going through whatever I have to go through to get to the other side. And for Paul, Paul was willing to do all that because he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Where everybody else was, was out there like letting the Jews know the freedom that they had, Paul was like, no, 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 let's spread this thing to the world. Let's spread it to every person that needs to know that God has set them free and he's delivered them from their sin, their guilt, and their shame. I'll go wherever I have to go to get that message out. I'll, I'll do whatever I have to go through because people need to know the good news of the kingdom of God that lets them know they've been set free from their guilt, from their shame, from their past. And they've got a God who loves them and cares about them and is passionate about them. So if you're struggling, if you're struggling with, uh, with sacrifice and it's, it's like, I, yeah, man, I, I want to get there. Like I want, I want more and I want the idea of more, but I have a hard time giving stuff up. And I, I, I like, you probably got things you're thinking about right now. Like, no, Jared, don't come at that. Like, don't just let me have that thing. Like, don't talk about, don't get too much into my stuff. Cause that's the thing that I actually enjoy. And, and I get that. I get that. I need, I want to inspire you so much that more is worth the less, right? It, it, it's it, things you love more. What is it? You need to elevate your more. So here's a, here's a few ways to gauge. If you're not, if you're really having trouble, you're struggling with, uh, you're troubling with this, you're having trouble with sacrifice and giving up things that you love. Uh, there's three, three things I want to hit on. The first thing is potentially if it's really difficult to give up and you're, you're like, man, I just, I, this thing that I want, like, I, I, you might be trying to sacrifice for something that's not yours. If, if you're trying to, if it's really difficult to give up some things for this thing you're trying to attain, you might assess if you're trying to be something that you're not called to be. Yeah, if, 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 I, if, I'm, if I'm up here and, I, and I'm trying to sacrifice so that I can be like Stephen Furtick while I'm preaching, then the sacrifice isn't worth it because I'm trying to be something I'm not called to be. It, I mean, you fill that blank with anybody you want. Andy Stanley, Craig Rochelle. If I'm trying to make sacrifices so I can be like them, then I'm not living for the identity God gave me. I'm not living for something that's worth being passionate about. I'm trying to be something I'm not designed to be. It's not healthy. It's not fun. Of course, I'm not going to enjoy it. You're sacrificing for no reason. You're sacrificing to make a duplicate, less quality copy of somebody else when you've been given something unique and special and beautiful that he wants to live out in you and through you. So, so maybe the, the sacrifices are difficult because you keep, Keep comparing yourself to other people. And God is saying, no, 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 your story is beautiful enough. You ain't got to compare to nobody. I'm going to use every part of your story. I'm going to use every struggle, every storm, everything that you wondered about, why you went through it. We're not even going to have to worry about talking about that because I'm going to use it, make it so beautiful, it look like I caused it when I didn't even cause it. It wasn't my plan, but we're going to use it anyways to reach the people that went through what you went through. We're going to do some things that you didn't even, you couldn't even fathom. It says that you can't fathom the dreams that he has for you. So please don't fathom somebody else's dream. Don't think about Furtick or Craig or anybody else's dream. The mom down the road, the people on social media, that's not your dream. That's not your call. It's got to be yours. The second thing that might be difficult is if you have a, a, a bad understanding of the word mine. Uh, this one, this one, might, I'm going to try not to punch too hard on this one. Uh, when we talk about mine, if you're like, man, I have a hard time because it's like, I worked really hard for this money 
and I feel like you're trying to tell me to tithe, and I'm not, it's hard, that's hard. Like, I, I, work, I spent hours for it, and I barely can pay the bills I got, much less give you 10% to the church. Like, uh-uh, I, that's hard. I, you tell me I got to sacrifice time, I got to attend one, serve one at the church. Like, I just want Sundays to be me and the fam. Like, I just, that's what, that's what we need. That's good for us. It's healthy for us. Like, I, I, that's, that's our time. That's my time on Sunday. Like, you tell me that I got I to gotta do this for, to join a life group. I ain't got time for that. This is my time to spend with this group of people and these people and doing these things. And I, I would argue that maybe your understanding of mine is misconstrued because everything you've ever been given or ever have is a gift. Even, even the things that you were faithful with, like maybe you worked your tail off, you really strove hard, and you really sacrificed to get some things in your life, it still started out as a gift with breath in your lungs and being around some people that inspired you to do the sacrifice, to work hard, around the family that pushed you to do better and be better. Everything you've ever been given was a gift that you never deserved. So the idea of mine might be a misconstruing understanding of what we think we deserve in this life and what we think we should get. And maybe it's time to recognize like, oh no, it was always a gift. Oh, I didn't deserve that. I didn't earn, I didn't earn, that's not mine. Hold up. The only reason it's mine is because he gave it to me. So now I need to be thankful more than I do, do uh, have this understanding of mine. Just a moment of processing realizes like, oh, it was, it was freely given. Like even the best that I brought to the table still came through the gift of the breath of life that I was given. The people I was around and the other people that spurred me on, the, the extra things that came along in life that helped me out that I wouldn't be without those things that I didn't deserve. So maybe it's difficult because you understand mine incorrectly. And lastly, maybe most importantly, uh, is it might be difficult to follow the call of God on your life, to do the thing that God has called you to do, to really dig in and do it is because maybe your dream's not big enough. Maybe it's not big enough. Like it, it I, I heard a, a leader say it this way, like sometimes we're not willing to give up things or change things in our life because the dream's not big enough. And he's like, if I offered you a free trip to Toledo, Ohio, you're probably going to be like, cool, I'm good. Thank you. I, uh, I don't, I'm going to stay here. I mean, is there a free jet ride in it? Cause I don't know why, uh, like he said, you're probably not even going to change your brand of cereal. But if I give you a free trip to New Zealand or a free trip to Paris or a free trip to Norway, they might start changing some things. Like, oh, okay, what do I got to do? What you need for me? What you need? Yeah, I got some shoes in my closet I can donate. Whatever you want. Whatever I got to, oh, I got to fill out paperwork for a sweepstakes. I'm in because I want to win that trip, right? So maybe it's not the issue of like the sacrifice is too hard. It's just that the dream is too, is not big enough. The dream is not big enough. And he says, scripture says, when I say he, I'm talking about God. He says that no, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has fathomed all that God has in store for those who love him. His dream is bigger than your dream. Maybe you need to latch onto his instead of staying to yours. My, my grandfather used to say it this way. If, if it is small enough that you can do it on your own, like if you're just really disciplined and really good, you can accomplish it on your own efforts. It's, it's too small to be God. It's too small to be God because God will always give you a dream that requires you to trust him, to be dependent on him, to, to lean on him and be like, oh, I can't do it. I didn't do it. I don't know how that happened. Must have been God. You might need to start dreaming God's dream rather than your own dream. And I, I pray that today you start to have something reignited in you to have this passion back for the call of God that's on your life because us as a church, 
We're passionate about the call of God that's on our life. Well, us as a church, we're passionate about it. And I mean that both on an energy level passion and on a sacrifice level. We're not going to just make sacrifices for the sake of sacrifice. We're going to make sacrifices to move forward with the thing God has called us to, to reach the people God has called us to reach. And anything less than that, we're not going to settle for. We're going to decide that that's what we're called to do. And for some of you, it's time to gain your passion back. Just like, uh, just like some of you that have kids. And you are absolutely passionate about your kids. And you remember the days that you were dreaming about having kids. Like, oh, I can't wait till I have kids. We're going to do all that. Like, it's, they're going to be awesome. I'm going to love them, and they're going to grow up, and they're going to do awesome things in their life. Maybe when the kid was still in the belly, you were just like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait till you're out so I can hold you, and I can't wait till you're bigger so that I can teach you. I can't wait till we can throw, play catch. I can't wait for all of these moments. And all of those moments, those passionate moments that you have and those dreams that you have for your kids, all of those things are worth the middle of the night when they've got a fever and you've got to hold them and rock them, and you're sad because they feel bad. All of the dreams and the hopes and the passion you have for your kid's future is worth the talk back that you might get when they start to get to those teen years or for my kids two years old for some reason they start talking back to me. I don't know why he thinks he runs our house. Where, whatever it is, it's worth, it's worth the pain and the struggle because you love your kids and you're passionate about your kids and you don't wake up every day feeling that. You sure don't feel it in the middle of the night when they're screaming at you for no apparent reason. You sure don't love it when they're fighting sleep and not willing to take their naps. You sure don't love it when they're slamming doors as teenagers. You sure don't love it when they're starting to go down the wrong path. You don't love the moments that are painful and that are difficult with your kids, but you're still passionate about your kids. And I want you to have a dream for your life that's like that. It's big enough to wake up at 4 a.m. if you've got to because you're called by God. You're anointed by God for something big. It's big enough to go through the shipwreck. It's big enough to go through all. Look, that is not the goal. It's not the goal to have your kids have a fever in the middle of the night, but it is worth it to go through the fever to get your kids where they're called to be. What God has, has got for you is worth everything you can give up because you're going to let go of earth and find out you attained heaven. You're going to let go and find out, oh, I was, I was like, I had nothing over here. I thought I was holding on to gold and I was holding on to manure because God had something more for me. God had something more for me. I thought it was good, but in comparison to the glory of who God is and what God has for me, that was garbage. I was nothing but garbage. And everything that you're holding on to, I pray that you'll be willing to let go of. So I'm going to give you a challenge. If that's you, I'm going to challenge you in, in a three-step process. One, find your identity. Find it. Whatever you've got to figure out to do, get it, because it's worth it. It's worth it to love your call the way that you love your kids. It's worth it to know that God has said something about you, and he called you to something, and you, have, you are unique, and you are uniquely created, and he's got you designed on this earth for something, not just to survive it, not just to get through it, but to do something in the kingdom of God. He's got something for you. Figure out what it is. Whatever you got to do, whoever you got to talk to, whatever door you got to kick down, figure it out. Second, second to that is, is dream big. Like, once you figure out who you are, you might be like, man, I'm called, I've got these gift sets, Please don't shortchange the call of God on your life. Well, I got these gift sets, so I'm just going to use it at my house a little bit here. I'm going to teach my kids a little thing. No, no, no. Dream bigger. When you can do it on your own, it's too small. 
Figure out what God's called you to do that's so scary, you're over there writing it down like I ain't showing my wife, I ain't showing nobody, because they're going to think I'm a fool writing this down because it's so big. Oh, there ain't no, I ain't telling, uh uh-uh, that's going to my phone, and I'm going to lock that note so nobody can see what I typed out, because I'd be embarrassed if they thought how big I was dreaming and how incapable I am of accomplishing it. That's the kind of dream I'm asking you to think up to dream up, to start, and then watch God blow that out of the water because my God said you can't fathom. Even when you write it down, it wasn't big enough. It wasn't strong enough. It wasn't good enough because my God is a God who loves you the way you love your kids and even better. And lastly, lastly, once you've got more, once you've got the more down, look back and go, now what do I got to stop? Because the stopping isn't worth it until you got the more in front of you. What is it that I need to quit? What do I need to give up? What do I need to stop doing to be able to attain the things God has called me to? Listen, I'm not talking about sin. I mean, sin is base level. We're talking, sin is like, just get rid of it because it's hurting you. It's going to hurt you. God loves you more than that. The sin will hurt you, wreck your life, wreck your call. It's not worth it. That's base level. I'm talking about even things that are good. Things that aren't necessarily bad for you that God is saying, no, 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 that's not necessarily bad. And it might be perfect for that other person down the road. But I'm asking you to say no to these few things because I got so much more for you. And, And maybe the most important list you make this year is not the things that you will do, but maybe it's the list of things you won't do. Like, hmm, I'm not doing that no more. That's gonna stop me. That's gonna slow me down. I got, my call is too big. What God has got on my heart is too important. I'll go through the shipwreck. I'll go through it all. I don't care what it takes. I'll wake up at 4 a.m. I'll go to bed late at night because I'm dreaming about it because God's call is worth the sacrifice because I'm passionate. Bow your heads with me. God, I thank you for a group of people who are challenged. God, I pray that they would take that challenge here in person or on Facebook Live. God, they would take that challenge. If that's you and you're saying, Jared, pray for me this week. I want my passion. I want something that's big enough. It's worth sacrificing for. If that's you and I can pray for you this week, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? My hands up. That's good. Facebook, let us know. You can drop it in the comments. Shoot us a message. We want to be praying for you. God, I thank you for people who are challenged. I thank you for people who are challenged to pursue you with all that they've got and find out that you are so much better than they ever fathomed. And God, you had so much bigger dreams than what they are ever planning. God, this week, I pray that they find their identity. I pray that they dream big. And I pray that they have a list of all the things that aren't worth doing because of how big the dreams are for their life that you've got for them. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we define passion by what you're willing to sacrifice for. That's how we define passion. The reason I define passion that way is because I believe that's how Scripture would define passion. Because I I believe we can show that God is passionate for you, wherever you're at, whatever got you here. God is passionate for you because he showed that he sacrificed his only son so that he could know you. And and you might be thinking, no, 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 he's probably talking about the other person sitting next to me. He's probably talking about other people in this room. No, 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 you. He sacrificed his son so that he could know you. There was something he loved that was his only begotten son. And then there was something more to get to have a, a heaven full of people just like you that he sent his son to die for that reality, for that future, for that dream that he had. And so today, if you've never accepted that sacrifice, if you've never accepted the fact that he died on the cross for your mistakes, for all of your past, 
If you've never accepted that sacrifice and made the decision to follow him with your life because you found out he's so much better, he's worth everything you could ever do, everything you could ever have, everything you could ever go through, if you've never made that decision, I just want you to know today's that day. Today's a, there's, tomorrow's not going to be better than today. Yesterday wasn't better than today because today you can make the decision to follow Jesus. And with every-